a heat wave going on. Never believe the weather report. Go out and find out for yourself. And if it's on Sunday, go to church and find out for yourself. That's the thing to do. Brother Harold, just come right ahead. Since I can't reach all the all, all the folks that are not here, I may as well sit down and let you do it, okay? Praise the Lord. remodeling done at our house and uh, I told the carpenter that I uh, I needed a carpeted stair of carpeted stairs you know what he gave me a blank stair <laughs> bad <laughs> all right we'll keep trying we'll keep trying not today but we'll have some more all right, so uh, this Wednesday night, the, uh, the Bible study has concluded of the Jesus followers. Did you enjoy that? Yes. All right, so this Wednesday at 7 p.m., um, Brother Nagle will be speaking. So I think he's ready. Yeah, he says yes. So there you go. He's ready. So be here at 7 p.m. Uh, Wednesday night for that. Um, ladies meeting August 7th. Looks like it's a bunco night. You need to say anything? Okay, I'll look out there. So it is at 5 p.m.? Somebody get yourself. We're going to have to do that. All right. All right. Okay, so that's August 7th. Sign-up sheet in the back, and that's at 5 p.m. Um, what else? We got uh, backpacks coming up Saturday the 14th, so that'll be at 11 a.m. I don't think I changed that slide. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. So um, remember that August 14th. If you can be here and help, there is a sign-up sheet in the back for that as well. So if you see that, you might put your name on there, and we'll uh, know that you're coming. And then remember Heartland uh, Ladies Regional Retreats, October 1st through the 3rd. And if you're going to that, you need to uh, get hotel reservations made by September 1st. So do that. And then uh, also there's applications for that still in the back if you're planning on going to that. So if you would, we're going to stand. Um, we're going to have prayer, take prayer requests this morning. And um, we won't have a, a prayer um, devotion next week we're, we're going to talk a little bit and probably finish up on prayer um, so far I guess we've talked about what prayer was the need for prayer um, we know that it's communication with God right and uh, different ways to do that last week we went through uh, the Lord's Prayer and kind of broke down um, a model of what God gave us and uh, we'll probably kind of tie all that together and wrap it up next week with uh, um, just the importance of prayer I think we all know that it's it's an important daily thing that we need to do. Hopefully, I know all the, the uh, prayer times were taken, so hopefully everyone remembered to pray about the church, the new building this past week. Um, God reminded me, and I was able to pray every day for it multiple times. Um, I prayed for that, even prayed today, and there wasn't a Sunday ticket, so I'm, I'm one day ahead. But uh, continue to do that. Keep that in your mind and your heart, and keep asking about God, and that's going to be one of the things we talk about next week. Some people speak that... Um, Maybe you should only pray for things one time. You may have heard that. There's some people that speak that. If you pray for it more than once and you don't really have faith, you're not believing in it. But is that biblical? We'll talk about that next week because 
there's some things in the Bible that actually speak um, upon that subject. So we'll touch on that next week. But uh, do continue to pray for that. There's your little giveaway. Continue to pray for that. <laughs> if you've been praying, I mean, if you haven't been praying, then start praying about the new church building. And let's do what God wants to do. But let's stand. Does anyone have any requests that they want to make known this morning? And then we have um, um, Rusty and uh, Anita Dow in the hospital. They need prayer. Um, they're fighting COVID. So remember them. Okay. Sammy and Terry. Yeah. Remember them. <laughs> yeah, remember Sam, Sammy's in the uh, hospital, I think, with stroke. But they stroke-like symptoms, so we need to remember him. And then um, remember Terry, his wife. Is there anything else? Anybody have anything? Uh, Faye's uh, Aunt B went to the hospital. Um, she needs prayer. Okay, yep, remember those who aren't here today? All right, that's everything. Let's all pray. God, we come to you at this time, Lord.
ushers come up. This will be a fourth Sunday offering, so it'll be a church expense offering. So as you give today, that's what it'll go for. And mark it on the envelope and check if it needs to go for something else, and it will go towards that. And if you're watching online, if you want to give, there's a, a button up there, and you can select your funds and tithes and everything right there online. So let's pray. God, we come to you again, Lord, just thanking you for this opportunity to give. We just ask that you would bless this offering, God, multiply it to be used here at the church, Lord, and God, it can be done to do uh, a work for you, God. We thank you and praise you for um, everything that we have to give, God, in your name, amen.
I feel so good about what the Lord wants me to do in this sermon today. It is a continuation of the presentation that I made last Sunday of biblical commitment. And as I said, I feel so good about it. I, I wish CNN and ABC, CBS, NBC were all here. But maybe Brother Harold can figure out a way to send the online to, to them and they'll rebroadcast it. In all seriousness, I mean that. But on the other hand, I realize that there is a probability with the word adjective, uh, great probability that it won't happen. However, this 37th chapter of the book of Psalms has so much in it that I just, I'm just overwhelmed with all that was in it. And of course, I came up with, by the help and guidance of the Spirit of the Lord, of the thought of biblical commitment. But today's twist on the biblical commitment is something that we don't really think of, and that is the rewards to the unjust. Of course, in with this several verses that I'm reading from Psalms chapter 37, 12 through 26, is dealing with the rewards of the just as well and the unjust. I got a, well, I'm just so anxious to tell you all that I feel, and then we'll depend upon the Lord for the rest of it. But let us begin to read this entire text of Scripture. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. Terrible, terrible circumstance, isn't it? The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Very interesting verse of scripture. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, But the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. That's a great scripture to remember that. But the wicked shall perish, 
and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he should not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He is every he is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Blessed be the name of the Lord, our Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to anoint the giver of this word today, and Lord, I Pray that the blessings that you have, that you intended from the Scripture, the rightly divided Word of God, Holy Ghost inspired, that it be in this room with us all today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thing that I want to talk about in this text of scripture within the 37th chapter of the book of Psalms is the biblical rewards of the unjust. Now, I think when I began this about three weeks ago and first preached from this text of scripture, this chapter rather, that I was thinking totally in our biblical commitment to the Lord, but the Lord changed all that around in different perspectives, and today is one of them. As a matter of fact, it's two of them. And the first one that I address is the biblical rewards of the unjust. Now, it's cool to think about all the biblical rewards that we have as Christians, but before we uh, saddle up that horse, let us deal with the fact that the unjust are qualified to receive biblical rewards as well, and they will. And one reason I know that is because the Lord said it. In his word, that the unjust is going to receive uh, rewards. And so we present this not for you to look forward to, but for you to not look forward to. To make sure that you're not on that type of cattle drive going in that direction for slaughter and to eventual being lost for eternity. Let's take the first two verses of this phase of scripture from this chapter 
And it says the wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. Now, I don't know if I've really ever seen someone so evil that I put them in that category, but they're out there. As a matter of fact, I, I, I read about them, hear about them about every day on the television or in the media in some way. They are out there to destroy God's people or to destroy people, God's creation, I should have said. Now then, this is folly as far as their purpose and how the Lord regards them. Verse, well, I'll, I'll show you the supporting thought on that. Right, let's go back and revisit the thought of what these people are or act like and their biblical rewards, okay? The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. I'd really like to give a demonstration to that, but I'm afraid my gum, that glue that holds my teeth in, might not support the illustration. So uh, I'll just leave you with the illustration thereof. But the word in the next scripture, verse 13, says, this is how the Lord is going to handle uh, or can handle the people that fall into this category of evil and vengeful, vengefulness upon God's people. It says, The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. I love what one of the commentaries uh, said. I believe it was Matthew Henry. It's in various commentaries at any rate. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Uh, one commentary put it this way. The Lord looks at this individual, shakes his head, and says, Buddy, you don't know the punchline yet. As this thought hits me, it makes me know that the Lord has something biblically prepared for those that are on the unjust side. We've heard the expression, those that live by the sword shall die by the sword. Think of verse 14 and 15, where that saying may have came from. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. The sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Now there is a, a, a hidden part here, and it's not really hidden because I found it, and that is the fact that the Lord, as this terrible drama takes place, the Lord is taking care of God's people. He says so to cast down the poor needy, to slay such as be of upright conversation. And conversation is from the Hebrew to the Greek uh, to our English today that conversation is a lifestyle. Your, your uh, 
living here in this world and the way you talk, the way you walk, and the way you want to maintain your life of purity. Now, that part is in here. And, of course, the wicked, they draw out their sword, but their bow is bent. Something goes awry. Now, there may be some of you, and I don't doubt that there are, that have done bow and arrow deer hunting. I tried it one time. I found out my bow was bent. I found out that I could not do it any other way other than with the rifle. And the bow just did not work for me. But for the wicked, the bow says that it can work. But and the arrow, but what the Bible says about it, when it goes up against God's people or up against the poor and needy, they will find out that their bow, as vengeful as it may be, that it will not work because God puts a kink in it and it won't land the way. So they intend for it too. In verses 17 and then verse 20, for the unjust, it is a dead end path. Now we're talking about the biblical commitment to the unjust. They have a biblical direction that is going to occur and in their life for their life. And I love the summation because it just gets right to the point here. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke. They shall consume away. And this is as the waste of the animal, the unusual, unusual, the part that is unusable is going to be just discarded and dead away. I am reminded, true story, of a minister by the name of John W. Chapman. And this occurred in the 1930s into the early 40s in western Tennessee. Pentecost had just came to that part of the country. The minister, John Chapman, was from a family of ten. And they were poor people. But he had felt God's call upon him to be a preacher. No schooling. As a matter of fact, he could not even read. But every day... He would go out into the woods from their house and he would begin to pray. Every day he did this. And as he did this, people began to hear of him praying. People began to hear him pray as God emboldened his voice and it went through the woods and people would stop at their homes or their jobs in the fields, and they would pray 
at the same time. John Chapman was called upon to bring the people together in what was called a brush harbor, which very simply was nothing but a bunch of brush, tree limbs, etc., made in a three-wall concept up against the bank, and the people used stumps, their own chairs, and a revival broke out, and many people were delivered from the power of Satan. And as the time went on, the prayers continued. One day, a group of men, there was three in the, in the group, they had poles, or that is, cut timber, bigger than baseball bats, but whatever size it was, they went out to destroy John Chapman. And as they began to come upon him, they heard the voices of John Chapman praying and reaching, no doubt, heaven and the attention of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit giving full attention. And as these men got within close proximity of this praying man, they raised their poles to destroy him. They had lifted them on over their heads and they were getting ready to swing down and hit him up on the head or upon his body. As they did so, the Spirit of God never allowed John Chapman to stop praying. And as they had their poles and their hands above their head, God froze them in that position. It was summertime. They were froze in that position. They could not move. After John Chapman had finished praying, he turned and he recognized the presence of these men as they stood there crying and begging for help, for release. John Chapman tried to even take their poles out of their hand. And it was not possible for him to physically do this. John Chapman then called upon the God that he had been praying for to forgive them. And as he began to pray, they felt the pole drop from their hands. And then they felt the pole as it went down to the ground, ground scrape up against their body. And then they knelt down and they had a prayer meeting. The men were delivered. The men were saved, brought out from that evil path that they were upon. And God gave that community a tremendous revival. In that particular revival, my mother was attending and she got saved in that revival in the late 1930s. My uncle John Chapman today is walking the streets of glory as a man of righteousness. He no longer was on, and nor were the men that were there to kill him were on this 
unjust path, but it ended in victory and glory. There are biblical rewards as described in this chapter as well for the just because the Lord knows who they are and he knows every step that man takes and he knows every route that they are upon as they uphold the truth of God's word. Looking at verses 16, verses 18 and 19. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. That is such a statement that needs to be preached in economics. It's not in economics, but it needs to be preached and exemplified by God's people. A righteous man may not have the equivalent of what the man has in this world, but if he has God, the Bible says that he is better off than the riches of many of the wicked and their prosperity. Verse 18, the Lord knows about you. The Lord understands about you. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. Let me tell you something. It's nice to be blessed with these things of this world. I'm not opposed to that. I like the idea of it, by the way. However, the Lord knows about the upright lives and he knows something that you have, I have, that the unrighteous do not have, and that is an inheritance that shall be forever. That you shall not be ashamed in the evil time or in the days of famine, and they shall be satisfied. Thank the Lord. There are a few of us who have lived our lives, starting our lives, that we knew people that were experienced with the Great Depression that our country went through in the late teens, 20s, 30s, that even reached into my birth years of 1941. However, it was not as bad at that particular point, but I knew the people that, I knew people that lived through this depression. And I remember one particular individual, his first name was Logan, and Logan was a hardworking man with a large family. He lost his job due to illness and jobs were very scarce, very difficult to have, very difficult to hold on to. He had a large family. And when times got so bad, he literally did not know how the next meal was going to come. But when reaching that point, he went out on the front porch to read his Bible with his wife. And 
As they began to read, they heard something on the side of their house, and somebody had dropped off a bag of groceries. The next morning, before they could get out to the porch, they heard another noise, and they went out to the front porch, and there was a bag of groceries. Back in those days, they called those bags pokes. And there was another one the next day, and the next day, and so on, throughout the several weeks that elapsed in their time. My grandmother and my grandfather, they never ceased to be amazed at what was happening to them their family, and how God was taking care of them. The Bible says in the 21st verse, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. Fraudulent, deceitful. But the righteous showeth mercy, and regardless of what he has or they have, they will give and help others. Such was the case of the person that they hoped to find out who it was to repay them. In fact, one night my grandfather, of whom I am talking about, he decided he was going to stay up all night to see if he could see or hear the person bringing those groceries so that he could personally thank them. And he did. He stayed up all night. The sun came up. No one had made himself, made their presence known to him. And as he went back in the house, lo and behold, he heard the noise again. And there it was. And this time it was perishable type food that would have ruined if it had been set out on that front porch of that hot place. The Bible says, verse 22, For such as he blessed of him shall inherit the earth, they shall be cursed of him that shall be, and shall be cut off. The, skip, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Indeed, the next verse rings loud and clear, talking about this good man, talking about the just man. He's human. He makes mistakes. He has errors from time to time. Though he fall, the Bible says, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. How wonderful it is to be connected with the biblical concept of walking in the just, wholesome, and righteous life. What a promise we have even before we leave this world. I love the 25th verse, one of my favorite verses. 
As a matter of fact, it's altered my life in some ways. The scripture says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. It has been my style, if you please, over the years as a public relations individual, that's what most ministers are, we represent our ministry, we represent the church, we represent being friendly, being personable, and it has been my style over the years to greet older people, men, I would say, how are you, young man, or to the lady, young lady, how are you doing, and all in the, in the quest of just being personable, being a person that wanted to be friendly and try to put a smile on some older person's face. And then one day, it dawned on me that it really no big deal about having been young, but to be proud of the fact that I am now old. And as the old man is hearing what the Bible says about him, if he's walked that type of life, he needs to understand and can express that in his lifetime, He's seen the blessings and benefits of God. You don't have to make the old man feel good. I've already been there. Young man, do your job, be good, work hard. I've already been there. I wear the t-shirt as the expression goes. And that is applicable to ladies as well. And there's one thing that we can say, as David said. He said, I have been young, now I am old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I'm always a little confused by what that means. And I don't know that I have the total answer on what that means, but part of the answer that I have on what that means is the fact that God will never leave a good man, good woman out there hanging without any hope, without any desire for knowing that God is going to be with them. That they, one writer said that, and I've never, never seen any of God's people on the street begging, quote unquote. We have the biblical concept of rewards for walking and holding on to the hand of the Lord. Yes, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are also come past about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, that is doubt, and the sin, that is the difficulty which doth so easily 
beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us because we may be able to say I was once young but now I am old and this is what God has done for me. And we can say as we testify through our life and through our vocabulary that the race that is set before us, I'm, yes, I'm running it. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus. Oh my goodness, don't even try to do it without the Lord. Don't even try to think you've got the resources to tide you through. Don't think you even have the IQ that will see you through without the Lord looking unto Him who is the author. He created it. He created us. He, he made the road for us to travel on. He's the author. And not only that, there's no detours. There's no road ends. But He is the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our destination, the biblical concept of rewards, is for us to live, walk, and talk with Him, that we will finish the road when we were born, whatever day that was, whatever month that was, whatever year that was, yes, and whatever century that was, because we have people from both centuries here today, no doubt. I know we do. Because He has started the road, your life. Because He has finished the road, the life that He is waiting for you to come to see Him. In His house, the road is finished. Dimensions are waiting for you. Life is there. Don't kick it aside. Don't throw it aside. The wicked, they will go to you, cause you to be destroyed. They would cause you to give up. But today, our Lord, yes, He is there waiting for you and I to finish the race that is set before us and remembering that He is the author and the finisher. He wrote the book. He is the book. And it is for you and I to follow. Follow in the name of Jesus. Will you stand with us today as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning? I want you to feel the need of never getting off this biblical concept of rewards that belong to those that travel the path. Let us just, for a few moments, all of us pray together with thanksgiving that we have the Lord, that He is the one, and He's there for you and I. And he wants us not to fail, but he wants us to finish. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you today. We give you great glory and honor for the privilege that we have of serving you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done. 
We thank you for your life that you gave. We thank you for the words of wisdom and guidance and comfort that you have left for us. Lord, we honor you today and with thanksgiving in our hearts. With thanksgiving in our hearts, we thank you for we have the privilege to serve you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Praise God. Praise God.